Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings a new message entitled, Wake Up, War is Upon You. Pastor Ralph will be jumping around today in various scriptures, beginning with Ephesians chapter 6. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Ephesians chapter 6, the message is called Wake Up, War is Upon You. If you saw the Lord of the Rings, there was Aragorn trying to wake up King Theoden, who was asleep and didn't want to engage what was going on around him. And the message that Aragorn had is, if you don't awake, if you don't realize the threat, you will perish, and everything that you love will be lost. And as we're talking about spiritual warfare, the, the context is deliver us from evil. We want to we wanna win out over the things that Satan wants to do in our life. The words spiritual warfare are not found in the Bible, but the concept is taught through the Bible from Genesis, where Satan is contesting over, over human souls with God all the way to Revelation, where the battle is, is against the Antichrist, and you see this thing wending its way through the Bible. Today we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and the first part of this is called, All is Not As It Seems. Paul is writing in verse 10, a final word, you be strong in the, with the Lord's mighty power. You put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies. In other words, organized strategies worked against you and tricks, lies of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and the authorities of this unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Now, what do you get out of that? is that Satan is the leader and he's got followers, fallen angels that the Bible calls demons. The word angel means messenger, messengers of Satan come to, to hurt us, to destroy us, to whisper thoughts of worthlessness into your mind, to cause your business to go haywire when you step out and you try to serve the Lord and all of a sudden something goes, goes wrong, to, to cause you to get in a fight with your spouse on the way to church on Sunday morning so it robs you of the joy that the Lord wants to bring in your life to drive you to the place of distraction and despair that you want to commit suicide. Satan working against people. And it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, the people that you think are your enemies aren't your enemies. They are pawns in the hand of the enemy. And they need to be rescued from the enemy and brought into the kingdom of the Lord's love. I mean, you, you, you begin to understand when you think this way, why the world is the way it is. It's, it's not the way it really seems. You look at everything and, and, and there's, there's first impressions and I'm mad at this person over here. And then you begin to realize, no, it's not that person. It's somebody manipulating that person. And there's something going on behind the scenes that I have to acknowledge, I have to deal with, and I have to arm myself because it's going to talk to us and we're going to look at this in the next few weeks about the armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the tricks and the strategies of the devil. And Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me. Verse 4 describes Satan as the god of this evil world. The Greek word for world is cosmos. It's not talking about the planet in terms of green grass and blue sky. It's talking about the system that is manipulating and controlling the world in the unseen realms. It says that Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that's shining upon them. 
they don't understand the message, God loves you, that we preach about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. Satan, the God of this evil world. Satan, the God of the world system, is what it's saying. Satan, the leader of the cosmos. Satan, the ruler of the matrix. Has blinded the eyes of people who don't believe. Well, you know what? He's blinded the eyes of people who do believe. That's why Paul has to say, we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against unseen powers that are organized, that are mighty, that are powerful, and that are evil. And, and we miss the point of what's going on around us. And we spend so much time struggling at a physical and at a material level when we really need to come to a place where we're interacting with the Lord because how you do spiritual warfare largely is in prayer. You know, the best way that Satan could blind people's minds is to bring them to a point that they don't believe that he exists. Now, lots of people, if you talk to them, they'll say, do, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe there's something out there. He does his thing, I do mine. Do you believe in the devil? No. I remember when I was growing up in, in high school in the 1950s, and they would try to introduce us to philosophy, and, and, and there was a lot of argument going on about whether or not evil exists. Well, I would say Osama bin Laden pretty well put an, a, an end to that argument. But they were talking about this 15 years after Adolf Hitler killed all those people. And it's the blinding of people's minds to spiritual reality that causes our world to end up in cynicism and ultimately in despair. You know, we talked about Europe earlier and, and that people in Europe have just lost hope. They don't believe in spiritual reality. And you look at the art of Europe and it's crazy stuff. And it basically says there's no meaning to the world. There's no meaning to, to any act. An act of kindness, an act of ugliness. I walk up to you, hug you, and give you $100, or I walk up to you and stab you in the belly. It really doesn't make a difference because there is no meaning. There is no God. There is no arbiter of meaning. And of course, there's no such thing as evil. Any act is valid just because it happens. And we're left in a world of, of, of hopelessness and a world of, of despair. But when you begin to understand that there's this conflict going on between God and the devil, and that every human being is caught in the middle of it somewhere, then all of a sudden, a lot of stuff starts to make sense around you. You know, we always are asking, why did God do this when something goes wrong? You know, we, we see a disaster. We call it an act of God. We need to turn around and ask, why did Satan do that? What's his strategy here? What's he trying to gain? What have I done that's good that he's trying to destroy? How do I defend myself against him? How do I move forward in, in this position that I'm in, in this spiritual conflict? Look down to verse 5. Paul says about us as Christians, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. The Lord means the Lord of all, the ultimate ruler of the universe. And all that we say about ourselves is that we are your servants. That's what we ought to do is be servants. We don't want to take over the government. We want to serve people. He says we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. The whole key to everything is what Jesus has done for us. You know, as you share your faith with people, you can get sidelined into all kinds of arguments about this and that and the other thing. The truth is, there's, there's one thing that's unassailable, and that's the fact that Jesus has come into your life and changed you. He's transformed your life. He's made something good out of you. You heard Valerie's testimony today about living a life of, of, of anxiety and depression and fear and despair. And yet the Lord came into her and changed her, and she's gone, I don't have to deal with that anymore. 
You know, there's a guy in our church that was involved heavily in witchcraft. And when he began to break from these people, they threatened to kill him, put a bullet in his head, and throw him in a ditch. When I first met him, he, he had... He had a countenance that was, it was just hard to look him in the face. There was, there was so much evil in his background that it showed in his face. He was fierce to look at. Today, he's one of the smiliest, happiest guys around here and serving the Lord and growing in the Lord and God's grace is everywhere in his life. There are people sitting in this room that, that came to the Lord and, and you're absolutely an, an addict of anger. And the Lord has set you free and he's put love in your life. But there's this, this constant thing that goes on, this battle, this tug of war. And what we really need to do is come back to what says on that banner, God's power in us. What we have to offer has everything to do with what God has done and is doing as we seek the Lord and we answer prayer. And, and it's truly a spiritual conflict. Does this make sense? Well, move to the next point with me. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it's chapter 11. It says that one day... In verse 14, Jesus cast a demon out of a man who couldn't speak, and the man's voice returned to him. The crowd was amazed, but some said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Now, when I read about Jesus casting demons out of people in the Bible, I, I immediately have to ask myself a question. And I think you have to be honest enough to ask yourself this question. Did these people just not understand mental health? Did they not understand just medical conditions? And were they primitive people who attached the concept of a demon to anybody who was maybe off balance emotionally or had some sort of an unexplainable physical malady, a person who couldn't speak all their life? And so they, in their primitive understanding of the world and of science simply said, oh, that's the cause of that is something spiritual. But now, 20 centuries later, we understand technology, we understand human physiology, we understand psychology, and so they were just primitive people. They just didn't get it. That's a good question to ask. One way of coming to an understanding of that would be just to look through the track record of the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles after him. And very clearly, we're going to, uh, in, in Luke 11, the, the apostles come and say, because he sends them out on a mission, and they come back and they say, even the demons are subject to us. Well, there's, there's two things that you have to take in mind. One is, when they cast demons out of somebody, something happened. There was radical, massive change in their life. Something happened. So either they were onto a primitive psychology that really worked wonders, or there was a miracle that took place when in the name of the Lord, they told a spirit to leave somebody alone. You know, we get the word demon possessed in our English Bibles, but the, the, the Greek term is more like demon harassed. The word is literally daimonizo, demonized. So whether their demon possesses you or harasses you from outside. The point is, when they spoke to a spirit and said, leave the person alone, something happened. That's, that's evidence number one that we got to look at. The second, and by the way, something happened to the point that Jesus' enemies acknowledged something happened here and attacked him over it and said, he cast the demon out, but he did it by Satan's power. So they admitted that the demon was cast out and they hated to admit that. But here's the second thing is the lack of consistency in the argument. 
If I can consistently see that every time they met somebody who was ill or somebody who was deranged, they tried to cast a demon out of them, then I go with the primitive understanding theory. But if I come and I see that one place Jesus casts a demon out of somebody who can't speak and in another place he heals a person who can't speak. In one place he casts a demon out of somebody who can't hear. In another place he, he, he reaches and, and spits on his finger and puts his finger in their ears and, and then says be healed and they're healed. Then I, I don't know about that finger in the ears deal. I mean, but the point is this. You can... Look at the evidence that's there, and the evidence tells you that these people did not believe that a demon was behind every bush. They did not believe that a demon was behind every human malady. They believed that sometimes the issue was a demonic issue. Sometimes the issue was simply something is wrong physically with somebody, and if we pray, the Lord will heal them. Does that make sense to you? So as you erase that question, because I think you have to erase that question to just embrace fully what Jesus did in his life and ministry, you see here Jesus casts a demon out of somebody and everybody says he did it because of Satan. And he goes on and says, not, not so, because if this were true, Satan would be working against himself and a house divided against itself can't stand. I did this by the power of God and you have seen on display today the power of God in your lives. And basically he says to them, and, this, and for this reason you're guilty because you saw God's glory and you rejected it. And, and so you got to choose sides here in this spiritual conflict. Drop down to verse 21, we're almost done. He says, he's describing the business of casting out demons. And he says, when Satan, who is completely armed, guards his palace, it is safe. Because a demon has been cast out of a person, that person has been set free, you have to understand the context is saying that the palace that Satan controls, when he's fully armed and in control, is a human life. The word salvation means deliverer, rescuer. The Lord comes to rescue us from the clutches of Satan. He describes how salvation works in verse 22 and how setting somebody free works. He says, this happens, Satan controls a person until someone who is stronger, Jesus, attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings, the person. The Lord comes to attack Satan, to strip him of his weapons in your life and to set you free and to carry you off into the grace and the power of the Lord. And then he goes on and he makes a statement that at first seems incongruous. It doesn't fit with the rest of it. And then when you stop and think about it, yeah, it does fit. He says, anyone who isn't helping me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Well, what's this mean? We'll couple it with this statement. In another place, the scripture says that greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Talking about the Lord, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in your life and he's greater than, than the world. We're talking about a spiritual conflict here. We're talking about two powers that are in, in direct opposition to each other over the souls of humans. And Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. You go one side or you go the other. And, and, and here's what he does. He cuts out the neutral ground. And I think he cuts out the neutral ground. He's talking to religious people here. He's talking to people who believe in God. He's not talking to people who don't believe in God. He's not attacking unbelievers. He's challenging believers. And he says, if you're not for me in this, you're against me in this. And, and, and so here's a list of things that we do in the neutral position. We say basically, I believe in God, but I'm not so sure about all that other spiritual stuff. 
I believe in God, but I'm not really sure how valuable prayer is. I believe in God, but when you start talking about demons and stuff, it gives me the willies. Well, you know what? It gives me the willies, too. I don't like to talk about this stuff. But then again, if you want to really follow the Lord, you got to really follow the Lord. And, and, and so what we do is, is, is we come to a place where we put education, we put government, we put law, we put anti-poverty programs, we put the environment up there, and we believe if we can change these things in the material world, then we can make for a better world, and we can make people into better people. And the truth is, you cannot. We're all spiritual beings, and we all sort of stand on one side of the fence or the other. And, and, and we're, we're, like Paul says, not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against powers that we can't see, but powers that are very real. And we need to come to a place where we just come down on the Lord's side on this and go, I acknowledge this. I acknowledge the reality of it. I don't understand everything there is to understand. I mean, that's why we're teaching through this. But I, I get it. I understand that there are spiritual forces arrayed against me. I also understand that there is the Holy Spirit in me. I don't have to fear the devil. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. The apostles went out and they too tried the things that Jesus had taught them. And they came back and they were shocked. They said, even the demons are subject to us. Yet when we pray, something happens. It's a surprise. You know, the big thing that's gone on in Hawaii in this whole prayer effort in the last three and a half years is that we were all shocked. I had been to three full-on, big-scale prayer meetings in 20 years of being a pastor in Hawaii. And in the first two, they never prayed at all. They were political rallies. It's really what they were. They called it a prayer meeting. It was just politics. I come to the third one very warily. It was run by a bunch of high school kids in this room. They borrowed our auditorium. There's about 300 kids in here few adults. And these kids actually got up and they started just one after another after another praying about different issues that were confronting Castle High School. And all of us in the next few weeks were just shocked. We're blown away. I've been a Christian since 1950. In the 1970s, I saw God do radical, powerful, life-transforming things all the time. I was involved a couple of times, only a couple of times, in just casting a demon out of somebody and saw, bam, their life just, just flipped right side up in a moment. But it had been a long time since I saw anything like that. And we have this prayer meeting in here, and I'm sitting in the back watching this thing and, and, and kind of defeated in a lot of ways. And all of a sudden, boom, we start to see transformation in our community. And there's this whole thing of us Christians who kind of like to sit on the fence and, and sort of love the Lord but love the things in the world and just kind of cruise and, and try to just you know, lay back and get through life. And all of a sudden, you're, you're going, whoa, there's reality here. And it's like the Lord's trying to just kind of get us upside of the head and, and get our attention and get us to thinking in terms of it's a spiritual world, there's spiritual reality, and we can do something about it. And the interesting thing is we get through this whole deal is mostly what you do, you do with words. You do it by reaching out in love and extending the kingdom of God in love and just God's grace and God's kindness. You do it in prayer. And when you end up meeting something ugly and fierce that stands in your way, basically you just tell it in the Lord's name to leave. And you know what's really strange and surprising is? It does. I remember the first time I ever contacted anybody that I thought was having problems with a demon and I had the courage to say anything about it. Because I thought it several times, but I'm not going to say it because I didn't want to look weird. 
And this guy was just freaking out. And finally, I, I told him, I think there's, a, there's an evil spirit that's troubling you. And I'd like your permission to tell it to leave. And all of a sudden, he calmed down, looked me in the eye and said, yes. And now it's like, <gasps> now what I do, you know? And so I, I started praying out loud. And I pray this big, long prayer, trying to get my courage up. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for us. Thank you that we got the power to deal with these kind of things. Thank you for the authority that we have over evil spirits. Thank you for this and thank you for that. And thank you for my house and my kids and the, you know, everything, my cars and all that. And, 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 then, and then I go, and, and whoever you are, you spirit that's controlling this man, Chris, in Jesus' name, I'm telling you, you have to leave. I have his permission and I have the Lord's permission, and I'm telling you in Jesus' name to leave. And then I go, Lord, thank you that you gave us the power to do these things. Amen. And we all close our eyes. You know, I open my eyes to see did anything happen. And the guy's sitting there in his right mind. It's a war of words. It's a war of when Satan starts whispering his little nothings into your ear to try to destroy you and to defeat you and cause you anxiety and grief, that you know the scripture well enough. That the Bible says it's the sword of the spirit and that you can cut back with it. You can quote scripture back and go, no, I'm not believing that because I believe this. I stand firm in what I am and my commitment to the Lord and who I am. And we end up not, not in this spiritual warfare in a defensive posture, but in an aggressive posture going out trying to transform our world. And a lot of it has to do with prayer. Is this making sense to feel right to you? Well, let's pray together. Close your eyes. And I want everybody to close your eyes because I want to ask people to do something that I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. So keep your eyes closed. If you are in a position where you would go, this is really ringing in my ears because I really feel that I'm take, I've been getting a whack by the devil. In my marriage, in my business, in my, just my life with my friendships, my emotional life, I understand I'm in the war. And in some ways, I'm losing it. It's coming against me pretty hard. And I could use some prayer. I want you to raise your hand and just hold your hand up. Just, just, put, just keep your hands up for a little while. Probably about 5% of us have our hands up. There's a few more hands going up. And I, I want you to raise your hand just as a statement of faith that I believe that as these people pray for, over what's going on here in this room, that God will do something. He'll make a difference. There's still some of you raising your hands, so everybody's a little chicken here. Go ahead and raise your hand if you need to. Nobody's looking but me, and I'm not going to make you do anything where anybody else looks at you. More hands are going up. Okay, you can put your hands down. And now we're going to pray together, and I'm going to pray, and I want you as a congregation to pray this prayer. In other words, I'm going to pray out loud, and then you're going to pray the same thing out loud. And we're going to pray about the needs in this room, and we're going to pray about the violence that's busted out in our community in the high schools recently, which I think is a backlash to what God's been doing in the community. So as, as we pray, you pray out loud and pray with a strong voice. Dear God in heaven, I love you today, and I trust you today, and I believe the scriptures, and I believe that you've given us authority over Satan and his demons. And we understand that they come to attack us. But we stand in victory. We do not stand in fear. And Lord, we trust you today. And we trust the authority that you said you've given us. And now we speak to you, evil spirits, 
In Jesus' name. And we tell you, let go of our brothers and sisters. Leave them alone. Leave me alone. And Lord, we thank you for the victory that you give us in Christ. And now we pray for our community. Lord, roll back the darkness in Oahu. Stop the gang violence. Lord, cause these people to love each other. Cause the gospel to come into the hearts of these people. Change our community. Make this truly a paradise. A land of aloha. We surrender ourselves to you. Our lives. Our future. Everything that we have. We love you, and we believe you love us. I believe you love me. I accept your love. I accept your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 